are in week three of our sermon series, I'll Do It Tomorrow. Um, and so we're going to take a look at this morning at the life of Saul, of King Saul, and look at a couple different things. But over the past couple weeks, we've um, we've looked at a change, and we've looked at in you know, the book of Ecclesiastes how change is inevitable. It is going to come, and in fact, God wants to do a change in you and me. It's it's important that we change because He wants us to become more and more like His Son. Jesus. And in fact, he wants us to change and he wants to do it in our lives through the process of sanctification for us to be more and more like him every single day of our lives. He wants to renew our thoughts. He wants to renew our emotions. He wants to renew our habits. Um, But there is an enemy this morning that is trying to uh, trying to prevent us from growing. And no, I'm not talking about the devil. I'm talking about us. There's sometimes that we prevent ourselves from growing. And the biggest obstacle that we have, uh, majority of times, our biggest enemy is ourselves. And so this morning, uh, we're going to take a look at things because we, at times, we do things like procrastination. We have self-destructive habits and behaviors. We create walls, barriers, excuses, and anything else to hinder the change that that God wants to do in our lives. Change can be hindered when we put off the responsibilities and uh, for another time or we do something against our better judgment. Like I mentioned, we're going to look at the book of 1 Samuel, examine the life of Saul. And there's three key things that we can learn from his life so that we can um, so we can overcome those hindrances so that we can grow in Christ. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 10. And we're going to start reading with verse 6. And the scripture says, At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you. This is Samuel speaking to Saul. Um, He says, and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. After these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me, and I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait seven days until I arrive and give further instructions to you. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart, and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled on that day. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? You know, so there's there's three things. The first thing this morning I want to uh, I want you guys to get a hold of is that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to have control of our lives. When it comes to the life of Saul, I love chapters nine and chapter ten. They're 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 some of my favorite chapters in uh, in the book of First Samuel. When it comes to the life of Saul, because they show Saul at his best. You know, Samuel and Saul have already met the day before. And in fact, um, Saul had lost his dad's donkeys and he could not find them. If you read in chapter nine 
And uh, the man that was with him tells him, hey, maybe we should go and find the prophet Samuel, the seer. Maybe he will help us uh, identify where these donkeys have gone. And so they find him. At the same time, God is speaking to Samuel and saying, Samuel, there's going to be a young man who comes your way. That is my anointed one. That's the one that I have chosen to be king. And so Samuel anoints him the next day. The scriptures tell us that he breaks a flask of oil over his head. It's poured all over him and he begins to speak um, to speak the, the prophecy of what God's about to do in Saul's life. Then Samuel tells him in verse 6, he tells him that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God would come upon him powerfully and he would begin to prophesy and he would be changed into a different person. And, and I love what the scripture says that as soon as that conversation was over, as soon as he walked away, that God gave him a new heart. And Saul began to see all the things that, Sa that, that Samuel talked about. You know, he told him, hey, people are going to come and give you food. Accept that food with gladness. You're going to see uh, musicians coming down the hill from, from worshiping. And they're going to be prophesying. And when you see them, you're going to be prophesying too. And I can, I can imagine uh, you know, Saul being the, the tall, handsome, muscular guy just looking at Samuel and saying, yeah, right. There's no way. There's no way that I'm going to be singing and prophesying with these musicians. But in that moment, he saw these musicians come down. The Spirit of God came upon this young man and he began to prophesy. So much to the point that people were like saying, hey, is he a prophet now? Can anybody be a prophet? I mean, he's just the son of Kish. He's just a normal guy. What's going on? But in that moment, we saw the Holy Spirit take hold of Saul's life in that time. You know, every time I read this passage of scripture, I'm reminded of, of one of my favorite memories at Faith Assembly. Been at Faith Assembly for uh, a little over 14 years now in two different times. And uh, one of my favorite memories was one Sunday morning when uh, we were having just a great service and uh, Pastor Dan was up there at the pulpit and he looked at me and he said, Sam, I want you to lead a Jericho march all around the church. And I looked at him like, you got to be kidding me. There's no way that I'm going to be leading this Jericho march. He said, look, as you, as you being one of the pastors, you're down there on the floor, you lead this Jericho march. And so I went ahead and started, if you've never been a part of the Jericho march, you know, we just start marching around the sanctuary as worship is going on. And I started this march over. And at first I felt completely ridiculous. And I'm just thinking like, there's no way I'm doing this, but I was as as we were doing it, as we were walking around, you know, I, I want to tell you that sometimes the moments of complete surrender to the Holy Spirit are the moments of the biggest breakthrough when it comes to us just letting go. And as we were walking through that space, you know, we were seeing people being touched by God. As we were marching through the sanctuary, we were seeing people getting touched, getting healed. And it was just so exciting to be a part of that moment. Um, I've led many more Jericho marches on top of that day, but on that day, it was a very awkward time for me to do that. And I feel like, I feel like for Samuel and Saul in that conversation, Saul was looking at him like, there is no way that I could do that. But when the Holy Spirit came upon that young man, he began to prophesy and he, he began to move in the things that God had wanted, had wanted him to move in. And so I'm here to tell you this morning that for us to overcome 
any hindrance of us getting closer to the Lord and allowing God to change our hearts, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to, to enable us as we move over and overcome these, these obstacles. We need um, moms and dads filled with the Holy Spirit. We need grandparents filled with the Holy Spirit. We need kids to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need youth to be filled so that we can become the people that God has called us to be. If you're struggling this morning and you need a fresh outpouring of, of the Holy Spirit in your life, this is your moment. This is your day. I want you to, to just take a moment right now and just say, Holy Spirit, do something in my life this morning. Remove those obstacles. Remove the things because I want to be in a place where you want me to be. Look, I'm not talking about an emotional experience, but I'm talking about an everyday experience where God renews your heart, where there is a fresh outpouring of his presence and his spirit over you every day. second thing this morning is that we need to stop putting off our spiritual battles. Let's turn to uh, Samuel, First uh, Samuel chapter 17, and uh, we'll start reading with verse 1. It says, The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Soko and Judah and Azekiah. And Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on the opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. And he was over nine feet tall and he wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed over 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam and tipped with iron, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. And his armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield and Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Okay. So for 40 days, the, the armies of Israel heard the taunts of Goliath. He was, he was cursing at them. He was cursing at God. He did this every day. He would stand on one side of the valley and just began to yell. And this was the reality for Saul and his army during this time. Um, you know, this, this man, Goliath, nine feet tall, he must have been a, a, a very intimidating figure as he was wearing his helmet and his armor and his spear, and he was yelling and cursing. And, you know, I've often wondered why, you know, Saul agreed to this, you know, to, to this happening to where this, this, this one-on-one you know, battle, because the reality is that, you know, Saul could have just called the army and, and started this fight. You know, if you read the rest of Samuel, if you go beforehand, you know, Saul had defeated many armies before, including the Philistines. This is not the first time that Saul had done this, but there was other instances 
leading up to this fight, leading up to this uh, to this battle, that Saul had disobeyed the Lord, and so he could have, you know, God God surely could have given him the victory as he would have stepped out. But what Saul ended up doing is he started to put off the battle that was in front of him. And essentially what happened is that by him stalling, by him procrastinating, by him not moving in and taking care of this battle, it began to strike fear in in his army, in his men. These were capable men. These were men who had had many victories and all of a sudden they were held hostage by one man, by one person who was intimidating them and cursing their armies and cursing the living God. You know, I, I, um, I've been recently listening to um, a band called We the Kingdom and they have a song called Cages. And every time I hear this line, I think, I think of this battle because he says um, in the lyrics, they write, what if, I, what if I got new armor? What if I swung my sword? What if I face my demons like I've never done before? What if I hung my banner? What if I chose a side? What if I knew I couldn't lose this time? And I think in this moment, if Saul would have just remembered the victories that God had given him, if he would have just not stalled and he would have led his army down there, God had surely would have given him the victory. Chris Bell describes the downfall of King Saul as it relates to our own struggles. And he says, Saul for 40 days refused to go into that valley and fight. He was passive. And as much as he looked like a leader, as much as he looked like a king, he refused to fight the battle that had his name on it. When we refuse to fight the battles that have our names on them, we will always pay the price. There is a price to be paid for passivity. You cannot pass your battles off to someone else. It's just, it's, you just can't do it. You have to face them head on. You have to face those spiritual battles. I want to ask you today, what price have you been paying for these battles, for not engaging and taking care of these things? Has it been your marriage? Has it been the relationship with your kids or your grandkids? Has it been your integrity at work, your leadership you know, what is the price that you have been willing to pay all this time when you could have swung your sword, when you could have really taken this on head on in prayer and allowed God to give you the victory if you just allowed him to help you and move into it? I think the follow-up question is, has it been worth it? Has it been worth the price? We've been you know, I think we, we put off spiritual battles for too long and we leave them on the shelf and we think that they're just going to go away. But God wants you to go into the valley, take the step of faith and allow him to come in and fight that battle with you and for you so you can see his hands, so you can see his miracle over your life. God wants you to step in so that you can grow and be the person that he wants you to be. Step out in faith, go into that valley, and allow the Lord to give you the victory. Number three, last point today, is embrace your responsibilities. Embrace your responsibilities. That was Saul's fight. He was supposed to go down, he was supposed to lead his army, but instead he tried to subcontract that out. You know, he said, hey, if any man can go down there and take care of Goliath, I'll give him a bunch of riches, I will give him my daughter, I will give him positions, you know, whatever he wants, just take care of this problem 
for me. This was Saul's fight, and he decided to um, uh, you know, remove himself from responsibility and say, someone please take care of this for me. The book of 1 Samuel describes, uh, describes him as a handsome young man. There was, there was not a man that was among the people of Israel that was uh, more handsome than him. His shoulders were, uh, you know, above, he was head and shoulders above all. And this same man would be anointed as Israel's king and given the, char- and given the charge to protect his people from their enemies. This was his responsibility. And he stepped aside and he allowed a young boy, David, to come in who, when he heard the curses that were being um, heaved over to, to the Israelites, he said, oh, we're, we're, we're not going to let this happen. I'm going to step in. I'm going to do something about it. King Saul looked like a king, but instead of protecting God's people, he stepped aside and allowed David to come in. I want to ask you this morning, what responsibilities have you been avoiding? You know, this was this was his anointed task. You know, Samuel broke that oil upon him, chose him, and simply anointing, you know, in that time meant that he was chosen for this office. He was chosen for this moment. And God has his anointing on you and his anointing on me, and he's given us specific responsibilities, specific tasks over our families, over our jobs, in, in areas of ministry within, within our church. What responsibilities have you stepped aside and allowed someone else to come in or you've delegated that when this is your specific responsibility embrace those responsibilities embrace your calling embrace that anointing this morning um first peter chapter 2 verse 9 says but you are not like that and he's talking about the people of god when it comes to accepting god's word and accepting their callings he says you're not like that you are a chosen people You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We have a responsibility. We are his chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. Embrace those things that God has spoken over your life. The battle cry of David should have been the battle cry of Saul. You know, when he said, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come before you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, who have you defiled? Today the Lord will conquer you and will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. That battle cry that David that David yelled in that valley should have been the battle cry of Saul. And I feel like I feel like that speaks to us today that wherever you're at, when when you have these hindrances in front of you, these battles in front of you, these responsibilities that you stepped aside. This is your moment today to begin to have that battle cry that you would say, you know, that God, that there is a God in your home, that there is a God in your city, that there's a God who will rescue you and vindicate you and rescue you from any attack of the enemy. This is the God that we serve. God desires 
to do a deep work in you and me this morning. He, he wants that. He wants you to become more and more like his son, Jesus. Um, but today, we need to determine that we're not going to let anything stand in our way. That we're not going to let any attack of the enemy or any hindrance that we put in front of us um, to no longer keep us away from what God wants to do in us. You know, there's an old song, there's an old um, uh, chorus that was written that says, change my heart, O God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O God, may I be like you. You are the potter and I am the clay. Mold me and make me. This is what I pray. This morning, I hope that is your prayer today, that as you look at the battle before you, as you look at the hindrances that maybe you have put in your way, you know, I want to tell you this morning, allow God to mold you and shape you. Let him be the potter in your life this morning. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. And Lord, we're so thankful, God, that uh, that you are wanting to bring us closer to you, that you're wanting to bring change in our hearts, that just like Saul, Lord, that you want to put a new heart in us, that you want to do something new in us this morning. Lord, I pray, God, that, that we would become the clay, that you, we would allow you to mold us and shape us this morning into the image of your son, Jesus. Lord, Father, I pray, God, over any attack of the enemy, any battle that's in our way, Lord, I pray, God, that you give us victory this morning. Lord, we place it in your hands. Lord, we need you to help us, God. And we pray that you would step in, Lord. Father, we thank you, God, because you are good and you are faithful and you're doing great things in the life of your church today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys, God bless you. We love you. Let me bless you in the name of Jesus. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. God bless you guys.